Our scripture reading comes from John 21, 15 through 17 this morning. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. The word of God. So what does it take for you, for someone to get back into your good graces? It's different for each one of us, right? Somebody, somebody maybe that you've loved has wronged you, and you know it, and they know it. Oh, oh they know it. pretty. If we're clear, right? Uh, uh, and, and yet, what does it take? I mean, we're all wired a little different, and all is a little different. So uh, for some of you, maybe a nice card will do. Not like picked off the rack, you know, like, oh, yeah, this one will work. It's blue. You know, but, but one that's like, you know, meaningful and thoughtful. Maybe they added their own words to it. Maybe they expressed uh, possibly what they did wrong, or at least what they think they did wrong, depending on who they are. Um, some of us are a little more gift-giving kind of people. Maybe you want something simple, something small, you know, flowers or, I don't know, steak dinner, you know, whatever, whatever you're into. Uh, so, some kind of gift-giving, maybe, maybe a nice back rub, you know, some, some moment like that that, you know, leads to nothing. Um, <laughs> something, something like a simple apology. <laughs> I lost them. I lost them. <laughs> All right, something like a simple apology, you know, can go a long way. Um, a deep conversation where it's just the two of you and, and you're sitting together. Uh, you know, we're all wired differently, and, and those differences matter, and they matter in how we're uh, accepting kind of those apologies. Um, but we know when we've wronged someone, we know that feeling of guilt. Uh, we know that we did something wrong, and it starts to kind of eat away at you, and, and all you want is to just have that relationship be restored. And as we get to our text today, we see um, that kind of from Peter's perspective, that he knows that there's been something with his relationship with Jesus that whether Jesus feels it or not, Peter uh, knows that he has wronged uh, Jesus, um, and, and there's a, a restoration uh, that is needed. We are here in the second to last week of the sermon series on Peter, and we have gotten, at least in John's gospel here, uh, this is the very last chapter of John's gospel. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about the book of Acts and what goes on uh, further in Peter's life uh, that's recorded in scripture, but, but we're getting to the end of the gospel here. Uh, as we get into this text, Jesus is, this is the resurrected Jesus that is interacting with Peter. Um, and it's a, uh, 
a beautiful moment of restoration, this moment where Jesus meets Peter uh, kind of right where he is uh, and restores uh, this relationship in a way that only Jesus can. Peter receives this kind of renewed vision, this renewed calling um, in his own life and, and this ability that brings him to go from this cowardly moment to uh, a courageous future, a way that allows him to, to step aside from who he was, from what he did, and to step into something new that, that Jesus is calling him to. Last week, we looked at Matthew 26, and in that chapter, Jesus tells his disciples, starting in verse 31, this very night you will fall away on account of me. This is the night in which he was betrayed. Jesus says, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Now, knowing what was about to happen, Jesus gives this message to his disciples. And, and this message all hinges on the last thing Jesus says. Jesus knows this is going to happen. It's almost this message of encouragement when you actually look at it. He says, I, I know that you're going to fall away. I know that you're not going to be there. I know that, that as I'm on trial, that as I'm lifted high on the cross, that none of you will be next to me. But when I'm risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And the disciples, they just focus in on the first half of what Jesus is saying. They focus in on the part that, that convicts them, that makes them feel guilty. And, and Peter speaks out and he, and he says, surely not me. Right? Even if they all fall away, meaning the other disciples, it's a very, uh, I was going to say humble moment, but opposite of humble, <laughs> sarcastically humble moment. Uh, Peter says, even if all the other disciples fall away, I'm not going to. I will be there with you. I will be with, with you to the end, if that's um, what it comes to. But when it comes down to Jesus being arrested, the disciples scatter. And they all run away, and Peter is with them. And as he stands on trial, no one is by his side. And as Jesus is lifted high on the cross, he has two criminals on either side. But it's not Peter, and it's not James and John who earlier asked to be beside Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? You don't know what you're asking. When you come into glory, who will be on your right and who will be on your left? And Jesus said, that, that is not for you to know. So they don't know what they're asking for, but Peter knows that, um, that, that he wants to be there with Jesus, that he loves him, that he cherishes him. So Peter replies, even if they all fall away on account of you, I never will. And Jesus tells him, truly, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And then he does. Right? Peter denies Jesus as Jesus stands before trial. People approach him. Peter's in the crowd. People approach him. 
You were with Jesus of Galilee. I don't know what you're talking about. Later on, this fellow, he he was with Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know the man. Surely you are the one. Your accent gives you away. And once again, I don't know the man. Three accusations, three denials. And Peter knew what he had done. And we're told that he goes outside and he weeps bitterly. And he's saddened and he's shocked by his own behavior. And it didn't end that night. And I'm sure it continued to haunt him in the days ahead. And even after the resurrection, it we get indications that this continues to haunt him, that uh, Jesus has been risen, this is a glorious thing, but, but is our relationship the same? Am I still uh, there with him? Now we get this wonderful account of the resurrection in Mark's gospel. And in Mark's gospel, there's a, a special wording that I think is important here. This is Mark 16, 4 through 7. This is Easter morning. It says, but they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, and it had been rolled away. And they entered the tomb and saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been risen. He is not here. See the place where you laid him? But go and tell my disciples, including Peter, he has gone ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. See, Peter's not sure how he even lines up anymore. And here, even in the, the very moments of, of Jesus being resurrected, the angels are, are telling the news uh, to the women who have gone to the empty tomb. And the angel says, go tell my disciples, including Peter. Don't forget Peter. Right? Peter, I've, Peter's not been written off at this point. At least not in Jesus' mind. In Peter's own mind, we don't know how Peter stands. But, but for Jesus, Peter... Uh, is still so important here. Go and tell my disciples, including Peter, that I will meet them in Galilee. In our text for today, this is John chapter 21, and right before our text, we find the disciples in Galilee. They have, they've listened, they've gone to Galilee, they've, they've encountered the risen Jesus before, and then he's disappeared, and, and now they're kind of sitting in this in-between time. So, so they listen to what he had said. They go back to Galilee, and uh, many of them, as, as they were fishermen uh, before, they start fishing. And we're told that at night, they go on a fishing trip. Uh, significant in that uh, when people are feeling that they're in a moment, we still use this language, in a moment of darkness, uh, scripture often talks about them at night. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Uh, other things happen at night. 
Uh, here they go on a fishing trip at night, both practical, because that's when they would have been fishing, because uh, it's not the hot of the day and the fish were more active uh, in the sea. Um, but also, John is careful to tell us that the disciples are out at night, and it's dark, and they feel that darkness is still around them. We're told that they're only about 100 yards from shore, and Jesus approaches them on the shore. They don't recognize that it's him. Jesus tells them to, to lift up their nets and set them down only on one side of the boat. And they catch such a massive amount of fish that they can hardly haul it back into the boat. And at that moment, they recognize that this is Jesus who is standing on the shore. And they, they start getting the boats closer and closer. They start trying to get to him. And, and some of them even get out of the boat and when the water's shallow and they run to him on the shore. And Peter's one of them. And they find Jesus sitting there. And next to him uh, is this strange detail. There's this fire made of coal that is sitting next to him. And, and Jesus actually talks to Peter directly, and he sends Peter back to the boat. He says, go get some fish. Go get some fish from the boat and bring it back to us. And Jesus sets it on the coals, and he cooks the fish, and we're told that they sit there and they eat together. They eat over these hot coals. Now, it's so easy to miss this detail of what the gospel writer John is trying to connect to us. See, these burning coals are actually really important. These burning coals are really important because this Greek word is only used one other time in the New Testament. This word for this, this fire that, that is made of these coals is only used one other time, and it's as Peter denies Jesus. He's in the courtyard. And we're told that he warms himself next to a fire of hot coals. It's between his denial of Jesus number one and denial of Jesus number two. I'll read it for you here. This is in John's Gospel, verse tw or chapter 21. Or no, that's what we're at today. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's there. <laughs> It's in John's Gospel, uh, not in the Matthew one that we read last week, but there's this detail that between his first denial of Jesus and as his second one, he goes out into the courtyard and he warms himself next to this fire. And now here, Peter finds himself next to this fire once again. And they cook this fish and they eat together, and it brings us directly to our passage for this week with Jimeline read for you, starting in verse 15. Of John 21. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. In the third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's one of those texts in scripture that there's many different interpretations. There's many different ways that biblical scholars have looked at this and tried to make sense of what's going on. There seems to be a very clear connection to the three denials uh, with the three uh, times of Jesus asking, do you love me? And kind of this moment of restoration, uh, particularly for Peter. There's uh, some scholars that talk about this as Peter being reinstated as a disciple. The problem is Jesus has been treating him as his disciple the whole time. Right? So Jesus, um, you know, at the resurrection, the angel calls out Peter that, you know, go tell the disciples and Peter. This is not Peter because he's separate. This is because Peter because uh, he's, he's kind of a leader amongst the disciples. Even in this very moment, Peter's on the ship. He's one of the ones that casts the net out to the side. He hauls in the load. Peter's one of them that jumps out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. And again, in a moment of leadership, Jesus sends Peter back to the boat to get to the fish that then will feed all of them. Some people say that Peter is being reinstated as a leader among the disciples. But again, those same things, the empty tomb, he's called out. He's called to get the fish. Some people say that Jesus is making sure that Peter loves him. That Jesus just wants to be sure. How much does Peter love me? Now that's kind of a weird theological thing. Because I'm pretty sure Jesus being Jesus knows how much Peter loves him. Right? Peter even says this. Lord, you know all things. Right? So, so that can't be. What I think is going on here is Jesus is doing this for Peter's sake. That Jesus knows that this relationship is not strained, that, that he is forgiven, that he, I mean, J Jesus was trying to tell him some good news. You're going to deny me, but I'm going to go ahead of you to Galilee after, after I rise from the dead. This is not the end of our relationship. I know this is going to happen, and it's, and it's going to be hard, but, but there's more to this story. So I think Jesus is meeting Peter in the middle of his own insecurities. And he's reassuring him that this relationship is restored, that he doesn't have to continue to walk with this guilt and with this shame inside. And three times standing by a fire of hot coals. Peter declares his love for Jesus and receives a new command, feed my sheep. Cause my sheep to grow. Jesus is still the shepherd, but, but take care of them. Watch over them. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He's giving Peter that kind of command. 
feed my sheep. Nothing Peter did or nothing he could have done could have separated him from the love of Christ. That's not just true for Peter. Right? It's a beautiful message in Scripture. It's so tempting in our own lives to believe that voice that says that you're not good enough. It's so tempting to believe that voice that says, you know, you've just messed up too many times. Too many times you have fallen short. You've gone too far this time. You can't turn back now. After all that God has done for you, you've done this, and, and now he must have no more use for you. You're too far gone. You're too rebellious. You've fallen away too many times. And sure, God may be a God of second chances, but when it comes to our lives, we're not really talking about second chances. Are we talking about third and fourth and fifth and 22nd chances? And sure, God may be a God of second chances, but is he a God of 22nd chances? Right? We start to believe these lines. Right? We start to believe these lies that, that come from, from the deceiver that say, no, this relationship that, that God says is, is perfect with you, that's strained. Don't lean on that. You've done too much. You've done too much on your end of the equation. But notice this. Jesus knows Peter's heart. Jesus actually knows Peter better than Peter knows Peter. Right? Jesus knows you. He knows your heart better than you know your own heart. He knows that Peter's not just saying the right things. He knows that Peter's not just giving him a line. He knows that he truly loves him. It's part of the reason why it says Peter gets a little hurt. Jesus keeps asking him, and he's like, Jesus, you know my heart. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lying right now. I'm telling you the truth. I truly love you. That's what's so great about looking in the Gospels and focusing on these disciples is, is we realize pretty quick Jesus is not in the business of finding perfect people that he can work through. It would be pretty hard, right? <laughs> It'd be pretty hard. We can say that about other people, but when it comes to ourselves, that, then we want this really high standard, right? We can look around. We can have grace for others because there's no perfect people. And then when we look in the mirror, we say, why aren't you perfect? What are you doing? Why, why do you need 20-second chances? Why do you walk away? Why, why aren't you faithful the first time? Jesus knows the plans that he has for Peter's life. And it isn't about finding a perfect person that he's going to work through. It's about finding a forgiven person. Finding a redeemed person. Finding a transformed person who, 
who will be a new creation as he goes forward. Jesus isn't in the business of finding perfect people. He's in the business of restoring people. And again, I, I don't know in what ways you've walked away. There's a million different stories right here in the sanctuary. There's a million different ways that we feel that we have fallen short Ways that, that we start to trick ourselves into thinking that we have disqualified ourselves from God using us, from God even caring about us. Maybe Jesus will save me, but will he really use me? Will he really use me to, to love my family closer to Christ? Will he really use me to love my neighbors But I do know that we don't follow a God of second chances, right? We follow a God of 20-second chances and 30-second chances and 40-second chances, and the list goes on and on. And he knows if you love him. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at, and that doesn't stand in the way. And he loves you more than you can even imagine, more than you can even fathom. And we follow a God that, that hasn't given up, that hasn't stopped pursuing, that hasn't stopped coming after you. And if you're still here, if you're still on this side of eternity, then that means he's not done with you. You know what, you know what happens to people that he's done with on earth? <laughs> I don't feel like I need to say, right? You know, we, we've joked about that before with, with even our whole congregation, even our whole church. You know what happens to churches that Jesus is done with? They close. Right? And, and sometimes it's glorious, and there's things to celebrate. But, but when they're open, he has a mission, right? And it's the same for Christians. When we're still here, when we're still breathing, when we're still walking around, he still has something for you. It doesn't matter if you think that there's something that's removed you from him, that there's something that's gotten in the way. What, what that means is you put yourself on too high of a pedestal. Like, if, if you think that you can matter in that equation, I'm not sure you fully realize who Jesus is. That, that's Peter's problem here. He thinks his own actions matter so much in this relationship. And, and Jesus, early on, he knew it was going to happen. Right? And, and he tries to give him an encouraging word and say, hey, I know this is going to happen, but I'm going to meet you in Galilee. And sure, here they are. They're in Galilee. They're on the sea, and Jesus meets them. And it's been so hard in between. And he feels like there's been so much tension in between. And he's been believing all these lies and all these voices.
And all we need to do is keep reading in Scripture, and we can see that God is not done with Peter. All right, that he turns from this, this cowardly uh, man in, in that moment to one who is courageous. Actually, later on, when it comes time for one of the disciples to speak up, there's, um, in the book of Acts, there's, there's this moment where, where someone needs to step forward and say who Jesus is, and they're stepping into a dangerous crowd. And it's filled with religious leaders and, and other teachers. You know who steps forward? It's not, well, I was going to say, it's not cowardly Peter. It's courageous Peter, right? It's, it's who he truly is. He's the one that steps forward. He's the one that preaches the gospel in that setting. And some of the people are so happy to hear it and they accept Jesus. And some of the people are really mad. And Peter does this over and over and over again. He steps forward in these moments where, where courage is necessary. Trusting that God is with him. Jesus knows that heart. Jesus knows who he is, and he knows who you are and who he created you to be. So as we pray uh, to end this time, let's just focus on who he is and realize that there's nothing we can do to separate us from the love of Christ. That he will pursue us, and that he will continue to use us for his glory and for his honor.